Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're going to preview USC's upcoming game, first road game of the season with the Arizona Wildcats. And we got Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority. He's the publisher there, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. We're going to talk about the game, the upcoming game. And then at the end of the show, I'll answer some more of your questions. They're left over from USC's win over Arizona State just happened to be the rival of the team that we're going to talk about today. But uh, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's uh, unfortunately for you know we got to cover a game. It was a nine a.m. game, but you know for for USC and Arizona State, you know me and Chris Cartman, we got to talk about the game and it happened. You got to talk about the game with Utah for Arizona and it didn't happen. Like how, how weird is that? Like just to, I mean, the opener is coming, what, two months later and then to have it not happen, that must've just been bizarre. Yeah. We're, we're covering it and, and writing articles with the Utah side and, and we're ready to go. And I mean, you would assume if there's a cancellation, like, I mean, like all the SEC cancellations are happening, they're finding out on a Tuesday or Wednesday and we don't find out until Friday morning. It's like, Oh man. It's like, it's it, it's bizarre. I mean, there's obviously I've I've never covered anything like it, but um, just the timing of the whole thing is crazy. Arizona found out pretty much at the same time as we did, and I mean they had you know tons of money spent on planes and all that, but they couldn't recoup, and um, just just a wild time. And you know, like I'm I'm excited about the USC game, but a part of me is like I'm not going to get too into it until I'm I'm at the stadium and and I know what's happening. Yeah, the the fact that it happened so late. There was talk that maybe Arizona and Washington could play. Unfortunately, Arizona's equipment trunk uh, truck was already in Salt Lake City. It would have been tough to get it to uh, Seattle that quickly. But, you know, people talked about having a game on Sunday or maybe even having a game on Monday. Did you hear anything about that could have happened, even though the two teams were supposed to play in week three anyway? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Sumlin denied it, but I think he was just kind of playing quite a little bit because from what i understand they they looked into it but it, it was a pretty short look because the logistics just didn't make it possible I, I mean they didn't have the hotel rooms the food was already set up in salt lake they would have had to set up feeding the team the equipment truck like you mentioned was already in salt lake um just the, the logistical aspect was just too difficult and they tried they at least discussed it um it wasn't a very long discussion but um, the, the guys wanted to play. The coaches wanted to play. Um, it is brief. I, I think the Pac-12 was involved briefly, but it never got to the point where it looked like it was even close to happening. It, it, you know, had they had another day, like had the cancellation happened on a Wednesday or even Thursday, um, I think it would have been possible. But the fact that it happened so late in the process, they just they just couldn't get it done. And even like so, just because Arizona and Washington were playing a week three. You move the game up two weeks, and then that's an open date, and there could be potential for something else. I mean, I think at this point, when you had two games cancel already in the Pac-12, two of the six, if you can play a game a little bit early, like you might as well do it, and then who knows what that you could use that week for, like, or you could you could play again, I, I guess, but um, you know, you could use it for something else. 
yeah, I mean, it, with the way everything's going, if you have a chance to play a game, you kind of you kind of have to get the game in and play it and, and figure out the stuff later. If it's an open date, great. Um, you know, if, if there's another cancellation, you can kind of figure out ways that way. But, you know, I, I don't think they could be picky. If they could have got that Washington game in, they would have done it and, and worried about week three kind of, kind of down the road because, I mean, you know, nothing's guaranteed in, in college football this year. You got to hear from some players and coaches this week. I mean, obviously we're not watching practice like we used to or anything like that. You're, you know, the access has been limited, but – what do you think like the morale of the team is just, you know, prepping for one game and then having it go away and then have to switch and, and prepare for another game now? Well, someone made a point where he said that the first thing he did was meet with the captains and say, you know, you're, you you got to decide what's next and they're going to leave the, you know, the gym and all that in order to work out on that Saturday instead of kind of sitting home and moping. But um, he said when he first told the guys, there were guys crying. Uh, just because they wanted to play so bad, and he said it was it was pretty emotional. But on um, Saturday, the, a lot of the guys got together and, and worked out, and uh, they were able to turn the focus pretty quickly. They had the day off Sunday, and um, the guys were upset. But you know, he he put it on the captains to say, look, you know, we got to turn it around, or else you know, we got USC, <laughs> and and you know the the season opener against the Trojans, who are a better team than Arizona. Um, you know, we we got to kind of turn focus. And, and talking to the guys. Uh, whenever a reporter brought up Utah, it was a pretty quick discussion, and then it turned to USC. So they seem to be focused, but from what I understand from what the players and, and coaches are saying, that Friday and Saturday were, were pretty emotional for them, um, but they're trying to turn it into a positive and say, look, we, we got a game now. The season's going to open now. Um, let's kind of harness that energy and, and turn it into a positive. The uh, I don't want to get your thoughts on where you fall on this, because we talked to Clay Helton this past week, and uh... – you know, USC played an opener um, and then, you know, against Arizona State. So it was obviously both teams' first game. Now USC is going to play Arizona. It's going to be Arizona's first game. And on one side, okay, a team has already played and you kind of like get the rust off, but there's really no film on the the first, you know, on Arizona. Uh, so Clay Hult was sort of looking at it as like, yeah, that's a disadvantage because we don't get to watch film. I mean, in my mind, like playing a game is, is going to trump that, you know, obviously. But any thoughts on not having film on a team like, you know, Arizona has film to watch on USC because they already played, but just not having that first game out of the way just seems like that's going to be some somewhat of a disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an advantage for USC because they got those mistakes out of the, the way the first game jitters mistakes. They have stuff where they can go back on film and kind of clean it up. And Arizona doesn't have that at all. And not only that, this is a, you know, you know, USC is in the same position, but this is a completely new defensive coaching staff for Arizona. Um, they lost quite a bit of personnel in the offseason. Um, Grant Gunnell, while he played against USC last year, um, this is going to be his first season as, as the true starting quarterback. They have some stuff to kind of work through and, and new scheme and all that. And, um, you know, just having a first game, you know, it, the reality is they, they would have lost to Utah, but at least they would have been able to watch on film, you know, things they could have cleaned up and go from there. And now it's the first game and then the first real action. And, you know, who, who knows how long and, I'm sure that USC would, would like to watch some tape on Arizona, but Todd Orlando is, is familiar with Kevin Sumlin and vice versa. They, Grant Cannell was the quarterback when they played um, a good chunk of that game last year. So I, I think USC has enough to go off of. It's not like a completely different Arizona team. It, to me, it's um, USC doesn't have that rust that uh, I'm pretty sure Arizona is going to have at least early on in the game. Yeah. Um, as far as the offseason season, 
prep goes. Obviously, it's a weird offseason for everybody. Talking to Chris Cartman, uh, I know Arizona State was able to do a lot when the NCAA, you know, when spring practice was basically canceled and um, or cut short. And the NCAA allowed those like 20 hour, you know, a week things you could do over the summer where typically coaches can't work with players. And I know the Sun Devils did a lot of work. He said they did like 100 hours of work over the summer, like just time you never would have, have got before. Was Arizona in a similar position where they got to do a lot of offseason work and, and work on the field with coaches? Like you said, you have a new, you know, Paul Rhodes, the new defensive coordinator coming over from UCLA. Um, was there was Arizona able to get uh, more work in uh, that you wouldn't normally get to do uh, because of this you know, coronavirus quarantine? Yeah, I mean, they took advantage. It, it's a state of Arizona thing. They had a little more freedom, obviously, than, than, than California did, and they, they put in as much work as possible. And it's, it's a different type of work. I mean, it's not live action and things like that, but especially with the new defensive coaching staff, they were able to kind of get on the field and, and really learn. I mean, they, they lost veteran linebackers. They're teaching freshmen, et cetera. So they were on the field, they, you know, working in the workout room and, and kind of bonding that way. And they got quite a bit of work in um, that they normally wouldn't be able to get. I, I don't know how much that, you know, paid off until we see them play. But um, it's a really unique situation. And they didn't just shut down. They, they tried to do as much um, as they could. And if they had to stop, they stopped. But uh, they did definitely get in more work than normal because of the, the hour rules. Yeah, that, I mean, was that talking to the coaches? Was that valuable for having uh, you know Paul Rhodes and his new system uh, getting installed? Which, um, you know, it's going to be a, a three-four kind of defense, I believe, under Rhodes. Yeah, yeah, and they actually they got in four spring practices before spring ball was canceled, and so someone is quick to remind that you know they didn't just start from scratch with the defense. They they had the install going before they got into four practices, so it's not as if they picked up in, in August or September and said, you know, let's put the defense in there just now. And um, he said that they're, they're pretty familiar with, with the defense going into practice and all that. And the installation stuff was, was long over and Rhodes was able to work with the linebackers and the defense as a whole. So um, he said that, you know, when, when talking about the California schools, he said to him, um, they're pretty even because they got in there and they were able to work out. And, and even though California schools weren't able to work out at all. So in a way they're, you know, even though Arizona has a new defense and all that, and maybe, you know, other schools don't, um, in terms of workouts, you can make the case that Arizona actually had more time to work out because of those four practices and what they were able to do in the offseason. So let's look um, over the offseason. There were some defections. Uh, people, you know, a lot of programs had guys opt out and things like that. Any uh, any notable names that USC fans should be aware of that that aren't on the team anymore? Yeah, so the, the big ones really are on, on defense. Uh, Colin Schooler is currently at Texas Tech. Tony Fields is currently at West Virginia. And so Arizona played three linebackers last year, and they lost two starters. And so um, those are two guys. Uh, Scotty Young, a uh, starting safety, went to West Virginia with Tony Fields, and he's sitting out this year. Um, but on offense, they had Colin Schooler's brother, Brendan Schooler, who uh, transferred to Texas. And so they would have had all these guys. Uh, the practice ball looked like it was going to play. The only reason these guys transferred, um, except for Scotty Young, uh, I should say, the only reason Fields and the Schooler brothers transferred is because it didn't look like they would be um, a Pac-12 season. So defensively, with the move to the 3-4, Arizona starting Jalen Harris and Anthony Pandy, who are veterans, but beyond that, it's freshmen, and the the 2-deep has two or three walk-ons on it. 
Um, so it, it looks completely different because of the opt-outs. Um, the, the biggest one would have been offensive lineman Donovan Lay, who announced that he was going to transfer. He had a, a he lost his dad in the off season and very close to his family, and he was going to go to San Diego State. Um, announced that he was going to transfer, and then the next day the team met with him and, and kind of said, you know, we got your back, and he actually changed his mind. And um, he is the, the best offensive lineman on the team by far. So the fact that they got him back. Um, was it was obviously a good thing, but losing Schooler, losing Fields, they're, they're two leading tacklers. That's something where um, they're not going to be able to replace those guys. It's just a matter of kind of smoothing things out. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. You know, no more Khalil Tate, no more J.J. Taylor, but you mentioned Greg Gunnell, and it's sort of one of those things where you got two quarterbacks and it's sort of going back and forth. It seems like Gunnell just fit Noel Mazzoni's system better than Khalil Tate did. We didn't see that electricity that we saw a couple of years ago from Tate. Um, do you feel like the offense is going to be in a better place uh, with just Gunnell running the show by himself? Yeah, the biggest mistake that Mazzoni made was, and it was a Sumlin deal also, was trying to put Khalil Tate into a Noel Mazzoni offense. It just it doesn't work. They're, he's not the quarterback. Um, Grant Gunnell is the perfect quarterback for what Mazzoni likes to do. He likes the bigger guys. I don't want to say he's not mobile because Gunnell's pretty mobile, but he's not a Khalil Tate type. Um, and, and so to me, I actually think the offense is going to be significantly better this year, even though they lost Khalil and JJ. Um, the wide receivers pretty much all come back. Uh, there, there's some young guys that I think are going to take a step forward. Running back is a strong position, even though JJ left, they returned everybody else. And then they added a few guys who, who are pretty good as freshmen. Um, the biggest question is the offensive line. There's just not a lot of depth there. They've had some injury issues. Um, you know, the, this week they're probably going to be without their starting center, Josh McCauley, who's a legit player, um, and obviously the big anchor of the offensive line. So that's something to watch out for. He hurt his knee uh, in the offseason, and they're not really given a lot of details um, to it. I don't think he's out for the year, but I would be surprised if he plays this week. And so they're starting a guy who's played limited snaps, and his backup is a true freshman. And so – the depth on the offensive line is a major issue, but in terms of skill players, I, I think Arizona is going to be better than last season. They have Jamari Joyner, Brian Castile at wide receiver, um, Gary Brightwell, Nathan Tilford is finally a guy where USC fans may remember that name, but um, he's probably going to get his chance this season. So I'm curious how the skill players do, but um, that offensive line is going to need to step up. And, and I think that's the biggest question they have. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, it seems like it's, uh, similar to USC, like you kind of trust the, the five or six guys and then the depth after that isn't great, but it's still a really good running back room, right? I mean, they were deep last year and even without JJ Taylor, it seems like that's still a deep, a deep group for Arizona. Yeah. So they lost JJ Taylor. The, the starter is going to be Gary Brightwell. Who's um, a, I don't know if he's as good as Taylor, but it's not a big gap at all. Um, they have a guy named Michael Wiley, who, who I think USC fans should get familiar with. I expect him to play quite a bit this weekend. He gained like 20 pounds in the offseason. He's like 205 now. Um, they use him in the backfield. They use him in the slot. Um, when he's in the game, he's, there's a good chance it's a passing play, and they're going to give it to him out of the backfield. But he's a guy where he had an awesome, awesome offseason. The coaches spoke highly of him. If Brightwell's the starter, Wiley is right there. Um, and then beyond that, they have Tilford. Uh, they have a freshman named Jalen John, who they really like. They have another freshman named Frank Brown, who they love, but he uh, – he sprained his MCL, and, and he's going to be out. So they have three or four running backs that they're fine going to, but 
I would expect Brightwell and Wiley to kind of be one A and one B with uh, with Nathan Cover getting some carries as well. Um, USC had a hard time stopping the run on uh, on uh, Saturday against Arizona State. Um, what do you think as far as the run game goes? How important will that? Uh, be for Arizona and maybe talk about the the tempo a little bit because it seems like this is going to be a team that's going to try to run as many plays as they can and just run them very quickly. Yeah, so uh, the run game is going to be huge. I, I will say that I think that Mazzoni's more comfortable letting Grant Gannell throw 40 times in a game than he was Khalil Tate, but the whole offense is predicated on the run. I mean, if Arizona's not able to run the ball, I, I don't see how they're going to move it effectively. My guess, based on the ASU game, is they're going to try to attack the perimeter because that's what ASU did and, and had some success there. And um, Wiley's probably more built, probably built better to do that than a guy like Brightwell. Brightwell's more in between the tackles, but um, they'll, they'll use both. And, uh, you know, when, when they're able to run the ball and, and move the chains, they really like to get that offense going. It, it is 100% a, a tempo offense, it is much better when it is going faster. Um, you know, the only times that Mazzoni really slows it down is uh, when the defense was struggling last year. He said, okay, let's slow it down and, and, you know, give them a breather because there are times that the defense was just bad. But they're going to try to hit ASU with some, I'm sorry, USC with some perimeter runs and, and, and kind of get tempo going because, you know, at the end of the day, if it comes down to pure talent, USC is the better team and you kind of have to, to game plan and, and kind of get things going offensively. On the defensive side of the ball, we mentioned Paul Rhodes um, taking over three four defense. It's not. It seems you know. You mentioned a bunch of the guys who are opting out. There were some stars, you know, that that aren't going to be there anymore. It seems like there's not a lot of depth. I mean, are there are there like walk ons on the two deep and stuff? Is it like that bad in Arizona right now? It's weird because for the first time they have depth on the defensive line. They added two transfers and. Roy Lopez from New Mexico State, who's going to start, and then Aaron Blackwell from New Mexico, who's also going to start. And so they have veterans on the defensive line, and, and Arizona's not known for its depth on the defensive line, so people are excited. But then you go to linebacker, and it's just brutal because they're playing four linebackers, and because of that, they have two walk-ons on the two deep. Um, and really, they could have three. Um, so, uh, And the guys that aren't, I mean, so they're starting Anthony Pandy and Jalen Harris, who are, who are veterans. And then next to him is uh, Corbena Watson, who's a freshman who was more of a defensive lineman last year. And then DJ Morning, who I like a lot, but he's a true freshman from Texas. So USC is going to face a linebacking core that has two veterans and at least two guys that are new. And if they rotate, there's going to be walk-ons. And so we don't really know what to expect from the Paul Rose defense, but I, I kind of have the feeling that because of the experience in the secondary and the defensive backs, we're going to see a lot of nickel this weekend because I think in the first game and all that, and just the way that Arizona's talent is on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. They'd like to play four linebackers, but the personnel doesn't really call for it all the time. So I think we're going to see, unless those linebackers step up, we're going to see a lot of nickel this weekend. So because, uh, excuse me, like a three, three, five sort of thing, which that's kind of familiar, right? Like that we've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll be a little more aggressive than, Marcel Yates had it because Marcel Yates a lot of times would, would be in a three three five that kind of laid back and, and played more zone type of deal. But I mean Arizona has defensive backs. That's that's the one thing where they, they feel good about. Their corners have a legit two deep. Um their safety's a little more deeper. They have a guy named Jackson Turner who got hurt last year, but um they absolutely love he's he's starting over a, a junior um who started for three years pretty much. So 
Um, they they like their their defensive backs probably a little more than their linebackers. So um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see. Nobody really knows what to expect. Um, it, it's I've never heard a defensive coordinator really say it. We're we're not used to kind of honest coaches at Arizona. But I asked Paul Rhodes about the depth. And he started laughing at me and said, what's that? So, <laughs> he knows, as a defensive coordinator, they have no depth. I mean, they just don't have any guys left and guys get hurt. Guys just aren't good enough. And so they're going to kind of have to figure out what to do on that defensive side of the ball, um, which is why the defense is just a much bigger concern than the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, well, going to special teams quickly, is there any uh, any standouts, any, you know, a lot of guys coming back? Or what, what's expected from uh, Arizona special teams? Um, the punter and the kicker are coming back. Lucas Habersick might have one of the best legs in the country. The problem is the accuracy. Like, he can hit – I think he hit a 58-yarder last year, but he's also a guy where he could go out and miss a 25-yarder. <laughs> so you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, punting was bad last year, but in the offseason, they, they feel better about their punting. Um, I like the return game. I, I think that the return game has a, a good amount of talent. They've added some skill guys at wide receiver and, and trained them there. Uh, they feel good about the return game. I, I don't think special teams will be a strength, but I don't think it will necessarily be a, as big of a weakness as it was last year either. This was a, a brutal schedule coming out, you know, at Utah, USC, yeah. at Washington. And then, you know, the, the Utah game kind of goes away. Can that, can that benefit Arizona at all? Just knowing that, well, there's two tough games in a row, but maybe not three. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it can because, you know, I don't – think anyone was picking Arizona to beat Utah and you kind of whenever you play Utah you kind of get beat up a little bit and then you got to go play USC and and so in that regard um it sounds bad but you're kind of taking away a loss out of the schedule and maybe there's some optimism moving forward saying okay now we have two tough games and, and let's go from there so um you know it, it's taking a loss off the schedule unless they play later on so um if you're looking for the optimistic that's you know one less loss than Arizona probably would have had what are you uh what are you expecting in this one? It's it's weird. Like week one, I, f- I, th- I think I had the USC Arizona State game. I felt that was, you know, USC would win like a close one. That was crazy close, but it was. I thought Oregon was gonna blow out Stanford, but I was completely wrong on the other two. I thought Carl Durrell and Nick Rolovich's squads at Colorado and Washington State with no spring, uh new systems for everything they just wouldn't look very good and they both look good and, and UCLA who you know everyone's coming back uh you know the staff and everything it's just yeah they, they look terrible so I don't know I'm not sure what to expect I feel like it's, it's, it's really hard to know what's going to happen but how do you see this one going yeah it's weird I mean there, there's a lot of sloppy football going on and you, you'll you're seeing good teams kind of struggle and to me, because it's the first game of the year and everything that goes on, I, I think Arizona is going to be a little sloppy. But the difference is, I think USC, based on pure talent alone, is, is good enough to overcome that. We saw that against ASU. They didn't play very well at ASU, but somehow they, they still won that game. Um, Arizona's not that type of team, where if it plays poorly, it'll still win football games. And so um, I think Arizona's going to be sloppy and, and, and kind of make a few mistakes. I do think they'll score some points. Um, but, you know, you're just asking a lot for – a team that hasn't played in so long, new defense, new new quarterback, basically to go out there and and beat a more talented USC team. So I, I would expect a USC to to win by a couple touchdowns, but you know I wouldn't be surprised if it's the type of game we're seeing a lot of it where it's kind of close early because teams are making mistakes and and one team settles and the other team doesn't. Yeah, 
who, who, who knows at this point, but we're just hoping it happens. Like at this point, you're like, right. oh, I'm, I'm pissed the way that game came out or I didn't like if it happens, I'm going to be happy at this point. So, right. If uh, I wake up on Saturday morning knowing that I'm going to cover a football game in a few hours, I'll, I'll be OK. In the early, it's early too. It's an earlier game. It's a twelve thirty game. Fox crew again for USC had the Fox crew last week, so you you kind of want to get it out of the way early. Like the the night game, you're worried that everything's going to get shut down at some point before you get to go out there. So I don't know, man. Because well, of the new TV deal, like we're not even used to to night games here. I mean, to day games here. Like all games except for homecoming usually are night games in Arizona, seven thirty, eight thirty. So for us, this is a about as early as it gets. So I think we're, you know, we're kind of excited that we kind of get a day game now. Yeah, normally like a 12:30 game for a West Coast team, it'll be 1:30 uh Arizona time, but yeah, that's that's as early as it get like you know, USC had a 9 a.m. game last week, which was crazy, but that, you know, usually this is like the earliest earliest of games you could get and uh Right. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, well, USC had to get up real early for the last one. We'll see if they adjust to this. Jason Shear, you can follow him on Twitter at Jason Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R. Does a great job covering the Arizona Wildcats for Wildcat Authority. Hey, Jason, thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's Jason Shear doing a great job covering the Wildcats for Wildcat Authority. Like I said, we're going to take a quick break. I'll come back and answer some of the leftover questions uh, for USC ASU. We did get a few after our couple of shows. We did one with Harvey Hyde and then one with Keely Yor. That was Sunday and Tuesday. And we don't want to have to er- answer Arizona State game questions next week or whatever. So I'll, I'll do a few of those now. Uh, anything left over and, and give you more, a few more thoughts heading into Arizona. So back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that segment with Jason Shear. It's always good to talk to an expert that covers the team that USC is playing. Personally, it's helped me a lot to do the podcast of champions. Uh, so you can check that one out too. I do that with David Woods, but I, I feel like I know the PAC 12 so much better because I'm covering it for that podcast. Not that, it, you know, I'm writing a bunch of stories on these guys, but we talk to different experts, uh, you know, try to keep up on Twitter and social media about what's going on throughout the PAC 12. We pick all the games, all that kind of stuff. So it's fun uh, to do it. I think it really helps me when it comes to these previews because I have a better idea of what's going on. And, you know, we talked to Jason a little bit heading into the season. That's why I knew about the defensive uh, depth issues. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what 
that Arizona offense is able to do. Uh, throwing the football, we didn't see Jaden Daniels have a lot of success through the air. I know Todd Orlando was not happy the way the run defense for USC was, and this is going to be a pretty good running team for Arizona. They're going to run some tempo, and we've seen mistakes, and we've seen people not making the right run fits. And if you're running things fast and they get things rolling, you could see the USC defense having some problems like they did uh, last weekend. But the big thing is going to be, you know, the secondary played well. Um, Jaden Daniels was under 50% passing. He had like 135 passing yards or whatever it was, and one of them was like a little dump off. Grant Cadell's got a strong arm. I mean, he can... We're going to see more throws down the field, and will the USC defenders be able to limit that? And will I don't know, and 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 also try to you know limit the run a little bit more. But it's a it's a good running back group for Arizona. I think the offensive line is going to be pretty good. I like Ganella quarterback, so that'll be uh, fun to watch. But for the for the defensive side of things, I think USC is going to be able to run the ball. Um, you know those linebackers are. It's just. If they rotate at all, it's going to be a problem. But like like Jason said, there'll probably be a lot of nickel. Um, but I, I think the USC offense is going to have a, a lot of success. So we'll see. If they make the same kind of mistakes and turn the ball over a bunch, it's going to be a closer game than than what you would think. All right, let's uh, get to a couple questions that you got sent in. This is from Fred, L.A. Fred. He said, I know this win feels much like a loss, as so many have during the Clay Helton era. But at least the Trojans are able to make just enough plays and have just enough luck to get it done. An ugly win always beats a pretty loss. With the, the new Todd Orlando defense and its high expectations, I must say, I was disappointed with the lack of playmaking from the linebacker position. This has been a big issue for multiple years now, and I was hoping for a noticeable change with Orlando being a linebacker guy at his core. The linebackers were often out of position, not near the ball, and appeared slow. Don't want to be too negative following a win, but that uh, was that was my observation wrong. You and your staff are great. Fight on. Beat the Wildcats. L.A. Fred. And if you listen to any of my other shows, Fred, this week, I agree with you 100%. And Todd Orlando, uh, what did he say? Let me pull it up. Todd Orlando was asked about um, the linebackers, and he said, eh, they were okay. Which, according to our Chris Trevino and Orlando speak, that means basically – garbage. Uh, he says it's okay. I mean, he says he's okay saying that because he coaches that position, but they need to get better. All of them. Uh, he needs to coach better and they have to get off blocks better, play faster and more violent. And he promises they will. So I think it was addressed, uh, Todd Orlando. We got to hear from him Wednesday morning. And I think he addressed it pretty well saying, yeah, um, things have to, they have to get better. And uh, they weren't. They, I, they, I agree with you, Fred, that I thought the linebackers just played poorly. And again, not putting it on individual players. They weren't in the right positions. I mean, it, some of it's on the players, but some of it's on the coaches and stuff too. So I think Todd Orlando realized that and came away saying, we're going to fix it, which that's what you want from your coach. Jack from New Jersey wrote in and said, it was way too weird watching USA play football at noon here in New Jersey. Uh, it was so surreal to watch that early and have no crowd. I hope it never happens again. I was happy to see the team pull out a win, but honestly, from a personal perspective, it just messed up my whole Saturday routine. One win down, six to go. Ultimately, just glad to have the team back playing and the and the return to some normalcy. I look forward to the return of game discussions on the podcast. Fight on. I'm sorry. Yeah, fight on. Jack from New Jersey. Um, yeah, Jack, it was weird. I mean, especially weird out here at 9 a.m. 
I kind of liked it. I mean, I was there, you know, I got my breakfast burrito, got a mimosa, got check, you know, checking the game out from my couch. And, you know, we did our work, did our normal work, tweeting, putting up stories, whatever we were doing and, and post game. But by the time the game's over and you're doing your work after that, that we had a Zoom call, a couple to get to. I would listen to the broadcast, listen to the call-in show, just to you know, pick up any tidbits or get a feel for what the fans were saying and obviously read in the peristyle and, and all of that. And you get you can get a bunch of stuff done, and there's still a, a whole bunch of games on. There was a – I think it was an SEC game, maybe Georgia-Florida. I was kind of watching in the background while I was working. There was supposed to be a Pac-12 game then, and it was canceled. And then – uh you know, we got to watch the rest of the Pac-12 football and really didn't have much else to do. I got a lot of my work done because, you know, it's for us, it's like you're watching the game, but you got to do work for it too. Then I got to actually watch the rest of the Pac-12 football. So getting your sort of day, like getting the work part of the day on a Saturday done out of the way, where sometimes you're working till two in the morning, it was really kind of nice to enjoy the rest of the college football. Usually you're kind of watching it as you're preparing you're watching football. It's going on, getting ready to to cover the USC game. But this was really weird, getting it done, you know, getting it out of the way early. And uh, this one will be an early one too, twelve thirty game. So for Jack, that'll be uh, three thirty for you. But yeah, I, I kind of like the early ones. Utah going to be a late night game, and that's going to be cold. So that'll be an interesting one. All right, we got one last one. Kevin in Arizona. He's uh, class of '08 and 2010. I heard throughout the game and again on multiple media platforms about Arizona State's zone coverage ability to stop the spread offense, which is how BYU and Washington stopped USC last year. It seemed that Harrell and company didn't slash wouldn't recognize this and try to avert with some seam routes. What are your thoughts and concerns uh, on this? Also, how do you like the 9 a.m. game time? It was actually nice to see USC be advertised on other pregame shows, highlights, P.S. When are we going to start the Luke Fickle to SC discussion? Since he is looking strong, fight on, Kevin from Arizona. Yeah, no, Luke Fickle is going to be a hot name. He had a couple offers last year and turned them down. He's going to take, from what I understand, he's going to. This is a Cincinnati coach, and they're undefeated and highly ranked. Um, I think he's not going to take. There's going to be only a certain few jobs that he would go for. So that's good for him. He's in a good position. Would USC be one of them? It probably wouldn't be until after 2021, like I said before. As far as the 9 a.m., yeah, that's we, I talked about that the last question, but you're right about getting to see highlights of you know, your ranked team. You're playing early. Your highlights will be shown throughout the day. All the games on ESPN, Fox, FS1, wherever, they're going to have a halftime show. They're going to show you highlights of the top games, and USC at Arizona State was going to be on there. It was a crazy finish. Look at this. It's three minutes left and USC's down by 13 and they're, they're facing a fourth and 13 and they win. And so you're always going to show that. So that's, yeah, it gets it's some good pub. All right. As far as, yeah, that this is what the, the typical kind of defense is. You're dropping eight guys. You're dropping a bunch of guys into coverage, trying to limit the passing game. And in those situations, really, you're supposed to be running the football better. And it's, I'm not going to go, oh, you need to run this route or that route or whatever. It's really, if you're going to drop eight guys back in the coverage or, you know, there's a lot of zone stuff that you want to run the football more. And I don't think we saw as many, like, just rush three uh, for Arizona State. But there were some, you know, variations of that. They would do some different things, show some different looks, which is what you want to do as a, you know, being an effective defense. I think uh, 
We saw Keen Slovis do a good job. If he didn't see something open, checking it down. Uh, they did. He checked it down like 11 times. So you weren't forcing the ball in there. I think he did once or twice, and and one was an interception, and one could have been an interception. For the most part, though, I thought he made good decisions. And, yeah, I think as an offense, you have to punish. You know, A defense is going to try to take something away, and you have to punish them in the other way. If, uh, you know, someone you're, you're playing basketball and someone doesn't respect your three-point game and they're just playing your, your defense for you to drive, you got to stick some threes and then make them come out and guard you, you know. And if you can't, that's on you. And so your 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 points in the paint aren't going to happen as much. They're going to be sitting on you playing defense there. And I think for USC, if guys are dropping back a whole bunch of dudes into a zone and you pound the football on them a little bit, you know, and make them bring the, the linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage, the safeties up, things like that. So, yeah, I think that's something that USC needs to do more of that than maybe like a specific route or, or something. So those are all the questions uh, we had. I'm going into this one pretty optimistic that the game's going to happen. But like Jason said, I mean, their game was canceled last week uh, on a Friday. But there's optimism there. Um, so far, it looks like everybody's on, at the Pac-12 is scheduled to go on uh, as as uh, scheduled. You know, they're supposed to all play their games, which is good. The Cal situation is still up in the air. Um, you know, Utah looks a little bit better, but I don't know, man. At this point, you just need to see these games and, and get them out there. But we'd love to see some of these teams that we haven't seen yet. And of course, see USC play its first road game. But we have, uh, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, our live show will be Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Tunnel Vision. Then we do another Tunnel Vision after the game, Sunday night at 7 o'clock. So stay tuned for all of that. And what else? Yeah, we'll have uh, uh, we'll have a another podcast. Our Family View podcast will be going up as well. So make sure you check that out. So that's Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. So that's going to wrap it up. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.